0: Lesson 4 for October 18 to 24, Being and Doing. Sabbath afternoon, October 18. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as we open your word. We always need to do that because the Holy Spirit is the one who provides us with the understanding, the clearance, with our thoughts, to know what you have in your word for us. And as we open your word this week, we pray that that may happen again, and also that in our own personal lives, that we may know that you are the one who can be trusted. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jean-Francois Gravelet, better known as the Great Blondin, became famous for walking across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, In September of 1860, the Prince of Wales had witnessed Blondin's crossing of the falls with an assistant on his back. After the walk, Blondin turned to the prince, the British prince, and offered to carry him across the falls too. Although the prince had heard of the man's skills and had even just seen them in action, he was still not ready to place his life in Blondin's hands. The point is, of course that hearing and seeing are not enough when it comes to a relationship with God. We may be intellectually convinced about the existence of God, the truth of the Gospel, and the Second Coming. We may have even seen for ourselves the reality of God's love and care. Yet, even with all that, we may not really be ready to commit ourselves fully into His hands, an action that would be revealed by our works. This is precisely why James emphasises the importance of being doers, not just hearers of the Word. This week, we'll look at what being a doer of the Word means for those saved by grace. Sunday, October 19, Knowing Your Enemy Someone once said this about his enemy, I see him every day when I'm shaving. This is exactly what James wants us to recognize. Our greatest enemy is ourselves. Salvation begins by seeing who we really are, not who we imagine ourselves to be. Question. Read James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. Who is described here, and what is the basic problem? Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. While there's nothing wrong with looking our best, many people spend a great deal of time and money to improve their appearance but we need to make sure that we don't deceive ourselves. James says we need to get a better view of ourselves no matter how much we might not like what we see. Question. Read Matthew chapter 19, 16 through to 22, and 26 verses 33 to 35, and verses 69 to 75. How does the self-image of each of these two men compare with the reality? What do their two different reactions to Jesus' words say about them? Well, let's begin with Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22, the story of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Now behold, one came and said to him, "'Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life?' So he said to him, "'Why do you call me good?' No one is good but one, that is, God. But if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not be a false witness, honour your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And then Matthew 26, verses 33 to 35. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And then later in the chapter, beginning at verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with the Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. The rich young man thought he had been keeping the commandments. Suddenly he was challenged to adhere to a different kind of obedience, one that he had never anticipated, one that went much deeper than mere outward compliance to rules and regulations, as we see in Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. Peter, like this young man, also had a distorted picture of himself. Self-confidently, he predicted that even if everyone else should stumble and fall away, he would remain faithful, even if it cost him his life. But neither realized how tightly sin held him in its grasp. Both were self-deceived about their true spiritual state. Peter, however, eventually was converted. As far as we know, the rich young ruler wasn't. And so to finish today, it's always so easy to see the faults in others, but not in ourselves, right? Deep down, though, we probably are more aware of our faults than we want to admit. Look deep into your own soul. What does this view tell you about why you must have a saviour? october twenty being a doer Question Read James chapter one verse twenty two again. The Greek says to be doers of the word. How might the message have been different had James simply said Do the Word James one twenty two but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves James combines being and doing. He does not separate them, nor does he make one more important than the other. They are like two sides of the same coin, inseparable. We are to be doers. Furthermore, the tense of the Greek word for be here refers to an ongoing lifestyle of obedience, one that is expected of us now rather than of some indefinite time in the future. The point is... We are to become new people in the Lord, and as a result of what we become, we do the things that God commands us to. This is something quite different from merely following rules, which seems to have been the problem with the rich young rulers we saw in yesterday's Bible study. Question. Read Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. What are some of the actions that we should be taking? But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But, Love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Love your enemies, give to everyone who asks of you, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? And it is on our own. Love like this does not come naturally to sinful human beings. That is why Jesus goes on to talk about two different kinds of trees and the fruit each produces in Luke 6, verses 43 to 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Similarly, in Galatians 5. Paul contrasts the works of the flesh in Galatians five nineteen to 21 Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand just as i also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god and the fruits of the spirit in verses twenty two and twenty three but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such there is no law it is almost as if the more we focus on doing the worse we become whereas. When we are being led by the Spirit, it yields a totally different outcome, the fruit of love and obedience. So to finish the day, think about a time you did something simply because it was required of you or because it was a rule you had to obey. Contrast that to the time you did something similar because it was something you wanted to do, something that flowed naturally out of you because of Christ living in you. How does this contrast help us to understand the point of today's study? Tuesday, October 21, The Law of Freedom. Question. Read James chapter 1 verse 25. What does he say about the role of the law? But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James echoes the Psalms in calling God's law perfect. At Psalm 19 verse 7 and a way of freedom, Psalm 119, verse 45. But notice that the law in James cannot save us and certainly cannot cleanse us. It shows us God's ideal, but it cannot make us follow that ideal any more than seeing a world-class athlete perform amazing feats could enable us to do the same. To follow that ideal, we need the power of Christ in our lives question. Read Romans chapter 8 verses 2 to 4 and 2 Corinthians three seventeen to 18. What makes the difference between the law as an instrument of death or as something that shows the way to freedom and life? Romans 8, 2 to 4. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Even Paul affirms that not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God but the doers of the law will be justified, Romans 2.13. As he says... We can become doers only through the work of the Spirit writing the law on our hearts. Only when we obey it from the heart can the law be a law of freedom. Thus, the problem is not with the law, but with us. We forget who we really are, sinners in constant need of a Saviour. Outside of Christ, we hear only the law's condemnation. But in Christ we become new men and women, Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen reads Therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, and who are set free in Jesus, as it says in John eight thirty six. Therefore if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We hear him speaking the law to us that we should love one another as i have loved you in john fifteen twelve, through christ we experience the freedom of god's sons and daughters who were saved by grace and who will not want to slip back into the condemnation and bondage we had as transgressors in christ not only are we forgiven our sins we now have a new life one in which we are able to render obedience to the law we do so however not in order to be saved, but out of the freedom that comes from knowing that we already are saved and therefore no longer stand condemned by the law. So to finish the day, think about what it would be like, having the natures we do, to try to keep the law well enough to be saved by it. How would this make the law a means of bondage? How has Jesus freed us from that bondage while at the same time commanding us to keep the law? Wednesday, October twenty two. Useful or useless? Question. Read James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and compare it to Matthew 25, verses 35, 36 and 40, and Romans 12, 9 to 18. In light of these passages, how would you define true Christianity? James 1, verses 26 and 27. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And we'll compare that with Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And Romans 12, verses 9 to 18. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If Jesus, James and Paul emphasize anything, it is the importance of being a useful Christian, by loving the least of these as in Matthew 25:40, by taking the time to visit those most easily overlooked, by showing hospitality in all these practical ways and more, we reveal Jesus love and become the channel by which Jesus loves through us. Ellen White wrote in The Ministry of Healing, page 470. The strongest argument in favour of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Of course, as she goes on to explain, to live such a life, to exert such an influence, costs at every step effort, self-sacrifice and discipline. It does not come naturally or automatically. If our religion consists only in affirmations of belief and listening to sermons, it is largely useless. James describes religion or religious in verses 26 and 27 with a word that suggests being unusually devout. Such an attitude has immediate visible consequences and people will notice the difference. One obvious change will be our choice of words. Instead of using uninhibited remarks and harsh tones and gestures, we will become more sensitive to the effect our communication exerts on others. We will bridle our tongue so that it does not dash off ahead of us, and with all the violence and energy of an untamed horse. James also singles out orphans and widows as those most needing our love and care. From a worldly standpoint, it does not make sense to focus our resources on those who can give nothing back to society, But from God's viewpoint, it is precisely how we treat those who have been cast off and rejected by the world that reveals which of us are Christ's true followers. Either by lending money to those who cannot pay us back, inviting to dinner those who cannot reciprocate, or blessing and praying for those who mistreat us. As in Luke 6.35, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. And Luke 14, verses 12 to 14 then he also said to them who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbours, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. As Paul points out, we are recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So to finish today, how much of your own time and energy do you spend helping those in need? What does your answer say to you about how useful your faith really is? Thursday, October twenty three. Unlike the world. Question What does it mean to keep oneself unspotted from the world? And how could that even be possible? We'll look at James one twenty seven. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And we'll also look at first John chapter two verses fifteen to sixteen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And chapter 1 in 2 Peter and verse 4. By which have been given to us the exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust some people seem to think that if only they could move far enough away from the world, they would avoid most of its temptations. Though there's some truth to that, and we should try to avoid temptation as much as possible, especially those temptations we find hardest to resist, our problems and weaknesses do tend to follow us wherever we go. The problem with sin isn't so much what is out there, though that certainly plays a role, as much as it is what's in us and in our hearts. That's where the true battle is. And we will have to fight that battle no matter where we live. It is also an interesting phenomenon that solving some problems makes those that remain seem more obvious. For example, cleaning one area of a room makes any dirt nearby stand out even more. So also with the spiritual life. The closer, Ellen White writes in Steps to Christ, page 64, you come to Jesus, the more faulty you will appear in your own eyes. For your vision will be clearer, and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast to his perfect nature. Let's not have Ellen G. White say here what she isn't saying. She isn't saying that the closer we get to Jesus, the faultier we actually become. She continues, The more our sense of need drives us to Him and to the Word of God, the more exalted views we shall have of His character, and the more fully we shall reflect His image. Real religion leads a person to hunger and thirst for a deeper experience. Matthew five six tells us that, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus spent adequate time alone with his heavenly Father, in order to know his will. Yet, he never shut himself off from people. He went to where the people were. His food was reaching out to the needy, breaking down barriers of prejudice, and sharing the good news of eternal life, as you read in John chapter 4. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, come. See a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Despite the fact that Jesus and the earliest Christians had a diet and lifestyle quite different from the Gentile world around them, these practices never kept them from sharing their faith. They went everywhere, and the gospel spread throughout the empire and became firmly planted, even in such centres of corruption and wickedness as Rome. Friday, October 24th. From the Seventh Day of Venice Bible Commentary, Volume 7, page 935, an Ellen White comment. The law is God's great moral looking glass. Man is to compare his words, his spirit, his actions with the word of God. And from the book Our Father Cares, page 69, she writes, Instead of releasing man from obedience, it is faith and faith only that makes us partakers of the grace of Christ, which enables us to render obedience. As Jesus was in human nature, so God means his followers to be. In his strength we are to live the life of purity and nobility which the Saviour lived. And that brings us to our discussion questions for this week. There are four of them this week. One, though we have been told it would be to our advantage to move away, if possible, from worldly places, why is that not the ultimate answer to the problems of sin and temptation? How far would we have to go in order to be away from any kind of temptation at all? What is the only answer for sin and temptation, regardless of where we live? Two, police were trying to place electronic eavesdropping devices in an office where they suspected criminals were working. The only problem, vicious Dobermans surrounded the compound, so the police each night would feed the dogs hamburgers. At first, they would toss about five or six between the bars. Before long, the dogs were not only eating the burgers out of the officers' hands, but they were licking the officers' hands when done. Thus, with the guard dogs tamed, the police were able to infiltrate and plant the devices. What lesson can we take from this story about how we, if we are not careful, can let our own guards down? 3. Think more about this idea of being a doer of the word, as opposed to just believing the word. What is, in the end, the real difference between the two? And 4. What do you say to those who claim that because of the grace of Christ they are free from the law? What do they often really mean by that? And how would you answer them? Side Story Our mission story this week is titled Angels on Main Street and it's part one. Medellin is a large city in the heart of Columbia. While the city has a reputation as the drug capital of the world, it is also known for its beauty and its citizens are known for their hard work and love of learning. Columbia Adventist University, Corporation Universitaria Adventista UNAC is located in Medellin. Founded in 1937 as Industrial College Colovino, it became Colombo-Venezuelan Institute in 1950 and Columbia Adventist University in 1981. UNAC offers undergraduate through doctoral level degrees. For many years, UNAC students have worked in the neighbourhoods of Medellin searching for people who want to learn about God. One neighbourhood known for its violence and poverty was an especially difficult area. But after knocking on many doors, the young people found several residents who wanted to study the Bible. They arranged to hold meetings in the home of a church member who lived in the area. Each Sabbath, the students met with the people and studied the Bible together. Within a few months, several people in the Bible study group requested baptism. What joy the young people felt as they saw the fruits of their labours. Often, after attending the evening meetings, the students had to walk several blocks to catch a bus back to school. If it was late, the students had to walk all the way back to school. The streets, which seemed safe during daylight hours, were full of dangers at night. One night, Mary and Rocio came to the evening worship service. After the meeting, they found that they did not have a ride back to the school. They would have to walk several blocks through the dangerous, poorly lit streets. Some people from the church offered to walk with them part way, and the girls gratefully accepted their offer. As the group walked along, they passed open doors of dimly lit taverns. In the smoky light that filtered out, they could see unshaven men drinking and playing tavern games. Their coarse language and crude laughter sent chills down Rocio's spine. She shivered as she recalled reports of girls her age who had been attacked or murdered in dark alleys, such as those she and her friends were passing. The little group walked faster, hoping to escape the sounds and smells of this part of town, hardly speaking as they walked quickly through the dim light. They passed men and women standing in the shadows of tall buildings, sometimes the only hint that a person was there, was the smell of a cigarette or alcohol. Soon they reached the street where their companions lived. Rocio and Mary thanked them for walking with them. The girls tried to smile, hoping that their fear would not show. Then they turned and quickly continued their journey. And this story is to be continued next week. Your reader this week has been Dr. Percy Harold. The lessons have been brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember that God is always faithful.